Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Money Mitch Effect. I'm your host, Mitch Michaels, and thank you, as always, for joining me on this sports podcast where we have quite a bit to break down on the gridiron and in other sports. Matt Wittenberg joins me first to talk college football championship Saturday. Alabama has underdogs, knocks off Georgia, gets the top spot in the playoff. We break down that game, Michigan's Big Ten triumph, Cincinnati getting in as a non-Power 5 school. A lot to discuss in the world of college football, some coaching moves as well, and uh, what we think of our early reactions to some of the best bowl games. And then Josh Witten is going to call in and discuss the NFL action on the gridiron. What we are starting to see in terms of playoff races, Tiger Woods back on the golf course and a big UFC pay-per-view card coming up with Poirier and Oliveira headlining that for the lightweight title. It's Matt Wittenberg and Josh Witten on the Money Mitch Effect. Let's start the show. All right, now on the Money Mitch Effect, friend of the show, reoccurring guest to talk college football with the playoff field set, Matt Wittenberg. Thanks for joining the show uh, and starting off the top, which, if any, accent will you be going with today? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, Southern needs a little work, so uh, I think I'll just take it uh, normal for yeah. this one, but check check in for the uh, playoff wrap-up show and I might I might have it down by then I do think that it's you know <laughs> there's a lot that's bad obviously with the internet and social media but uh, the best thing that's been on Twitter is just the threat of what Kelly would sound like if he took jobs at different places it's just been great it is yeah it's, it's pure gold and um, poor guy that's gonna dominate <laughs> like his first season at LSU if not more but um, hey sometimes that's uh, that's where the cookie crumbles and uh, you you dip out for a job and acclimate to the culture quickly i guess so uh gonna be interesting to follow if it evolves over the course of the season yeah breathing uh, a little easier is brian kelly with the money and also the fact that his former team didn't make the playoffs they were one spot short of getting in and uh, mm-hmm. we, we really did it this time we 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 made nick saban's alabama team an underdog and we've all got the egg on our face yet again because with what could be his worst talent-wise team in the last decade is the number one seed in the college football playoff. They destroyed Georgia, a team with that had been giving up seven points a game, less than seven points a game all season, and Alabama just beats them running away. Uh, first time they were underdogs in 92 games, but Saban said he actually enjoyed it. and It was a dominant performance, coaching, playing. Bryce Young had his Heisman moment, you name it. Uh, for the Alabama perspective, they got their best game of the season in the SEC title game and really just had to remind people that I guess forgot how dominant of a program they are. Yeah, I think that a lot of people had that sort of Iron Bowl performance at the forefront to go along with how dominant Georgia had been this season. And then once, we, I mean, we had a conversation the day before the game that neither of us were going to be surprised if Alabama wins it i'm not sure if either of us like pick them to win but it's just like the saban factor is real the georgia alabama mental or i don't know roadblock factor is real and yeah they absolutely from the get-go turned it on so yeah i mean he's i'm never gonna pick against him again until he decides to hang it up or he stops getting five stars for some reason so yeah i'm letting it letting it be known now but yeah, hats off to them. And even with the Mechie injury, him mm-hmm. going down early in that game, they still kept the pressure on, and it never really even got close. And 
Georgia lucked out not having to play them in the semis. They sort of have the opportunity to reset and obviously have a tough test against uh, Michigan. But I guess they could use that as a little bit of a mm-hmm. a little bit of a get right game if they happen to come out on top, and then in all likelihood get that rematch. But yeah, I mean, the more things change, the more they stay the same. So at least we got a little bit of a mix up in the uh, playoff field this year. But Alabama is just inevitable. They are. It was actually 10 nothing in this game, Georgia. And then from that point on, just all Alabama, nonstop. Um, as our boy Sully says, friend of this show, too, he uh, seems like he's enjoying it because it's a challenge. They've had more one-score games this year than I think in like the last like 10 years combined. So uh, this, is, true, yeah. uh, this is crazy for them. And, and it was the Bryce Young-Heisman moment. I, it's, there is no race now. People are arguing about finalists, and I get that, and, you know, uh, you obviously know who I wouldn't want there, but we know who's going to win it. So it's all just a moot point of who's even nominated because this is now Bryce Young's Heisman. Yeah, exactly. It might be. I can't remember what the record is for uh, biggest Heisman win, but this is probably going to be up there. I'm not sure if it will eclipse it, but yeah, he showed up against the number one team, the best defense in probably the last five, ten years in college football and absolutely torched them. I mean, he even had long rushing touchdown against them so yeah he earned it and then uh got uh clay helton to thank for sc missing out on him and him decommitting yeah. and going uh heading out to play for nick saban and bama so yeah it, things are wrap. it's nice that uh a deep, i know you're not a michigan fan in any by any stretch of the imagination but nice to see a defensive player recognized in yeah. Aiden hutchinson getting the uh the invite to new york but yeah, this is a this is a done deal. So mm-hmm. hats off to Bryce, and he's going to have that going into the playoff. And uh, yeah, it's uh, all coming up, Bama at this mm-hmm. point. Yeah, Jamison Williams, the Ohio State transfer, seven for one eighty four, two touchdowns. I would actually say Will Anderson is the best player overall on this team. He's just so important yeah. to that defense. But you know, it is Bryce Young and the Heisman. On the flip side, Georgia loses this game going away. Now Kirby Smart is. 0-4 against Nick Saban, uh, keeping with that long line of losing uh, Saban's assistance, losing to him when they get the chance to face uh, their basically father at this point. But when you look at this matchup, I know there's still a lot to be played for. I, I still hold the belief that if Georgia doesn't win this title this year, it's probably never going to shape up for them to be as clear a path to do so. They just didn't show up to play at their level. Credit again to Alabama, but defensively pushed around and offensively started to see why maybe against elite teams against an Alabama, they just aren't built to come from behind. Yeah, Georgia's offense has sort of been a bit of a question mark all season long where they've been like solid, but never like been a like sort of track ty- or track meet type team that can outscore another good offense. And then like the loss to Alabama really put into perspective Georgia's schedule throughout the year, which is looking back on it pretty soft with no huge wins other than the Arkansas win, I guess is their best win at this point. Cause they're still ranked in the top 25, but Clemson ended up in being a dud. Auburn ended up in being average. Kentucky was okay. And then I guess maybe other than Arkansas, Tennessee was probably their best win heading into the championship game so yeah now, now the microscope's on that offense again and then i don't know if uh stetson bennett's the answer if kirby smart decides to mm. turn to uh jt daniels when in the bowl prep preparing for uh michigan so it's going to be interesting to see what that team looks like come um 
New Year's Eve in the Orange Bowl. It is. I, I had some thoughts on that as well. So Bennett plays the full game. Okay numbers, you know, 29 for 48, 340 uh, in, through the air, three touchdowns, two picks. He gives you something with his legs, though he didn't in that last game. It's a fascinating choice because JT Daniel, maybe more upside, maybe, you know, a uh, uh, lower floor, so to speak. And I think you make that move if you feel like it. you have to do it, like it's the only way you win the title, which may be the case versus Alabama. I think they're in a good position versus Michigan, regardless of who the quarterback is. But I think the bigger issue is it doesn't matter who the quarterback is. Your defense gets gashed like that. Like you're just not winning the national title. That's true. Yeah, that's a great point. And then the extra practices about, a, I mean, close to a month or so out from that semifinal game. So you do have some time to sort of tinker with things, but, if you do a complete departure from what you did during the season, I'm not sure like how quickly that's mm-hmm. going to take for you either. So it may just be a moot point and you have to roll with Bennett because that's who you've been rolling with the majority of the season. But yeah, if Alabama plays like they did on Saturday, then no team has a chance against that offense. That's for sure. Even with uh, Mechie being out for the playoff. It's crazy. It's going to be fascinating to watch how that develops. Uh, the first game of the day, though, was... Definitely the most exciting finish, though not really the <laughs> the best played game I think we can agree <laughs> on. But Oklahoma State Baylor was a wild one with Baylor holding on twenty one to sixteen, not scoring a single point in the second half. Um, a little bit of a train wreck, I think everyone would say who was invested in that game and who just watched it. <laughs> San- Spencer Sanders picked the worst time to have his worst game, four interceptions, and yet Oklahoma State was right there. Had the momentum through their defense in the second half. Wit had two firsts and goals basically at the one-yard line mm-hmm. and couldn't put it in the end zone either time. That last play was uh, an amazing visual, an amazing ending to a game. But Oklahoma State was right there. Now, the only solace is they probably wouldn't have made the playoff regardless because of the Alabama win. But, man, yeah. they were that close to being the unassailable Big 12 champions. But it was not meant to be. Yeah, have their condolences to our good buddy uh, Rob Crowder, Oklahoma mm-hmm. State alum, who made the trip out to uh, to Jerry World and caught the game. I, I can't imagine seeing my team lose like mm-hmm. that on the goal line. I, that's brutal. But yeah, really, really sloppy. Gaylor came out hot, and uh, their quarterback started on a tear. So yeah, got that early jump, and that's when, like you said, Spencer Sanders decided to uh, give the ball away anytime that he had it. So. But get yeah, kudos to the uh, Oklahoma State defense. To some uh, late breaking news here, Jim Knowles heading over to your Ohio State Buckeyes as D coordinator. So, mm. so uh, OSU, yeah, that's, OSU. A, that's a big time get. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, I mean that just that last play on the goal line and their whole their offense the whole day was just not executing well on any level. But you figure when you got first and goal at the one with four plays to score, you you like your chances in that scenario and just. Man, when he stretched the ball on that run, I'm like, oh, there's plenty of daylight. This guy's in no problem. And that's just defense. The, de- the defender collapsed on him, tackled him, didn't let him stretch the ball across the goal. I mean, that's yeah, like, it, it, you show that that play on a loop. Like, this is how you tackle. I mean, that's incredible. Yeah, I don't think it was his fault running in. I think he did kind of miss time, you know, the stretch. And, you know, it, obviously hindsight's twenty twenty. Maybe it's better if you mm-hmm. just try to bowl into the end zone. Uh, but you're inches away. It's just opportunities there. And I, and I do agree that Gundy's obviously been the best coach they've ever had, but the criticism that I do think is fair at times is he gets really conservative in some big yep. moments. We've seen it in a lot of Bedlam games over the years, and we saw it in this one. Um, you just feel bad for Oklahoma State losing that way, but 
you got to give props to Dave Aranda and what he's done at Baylor and how Baylor, you know, there's co- there's schools, there's universities, a lot of them are the quote-unquote blue woods with that can go coach to coach and, you know, nail these hires. Baylor's mm-hmm. hiring record, given the settings, given what's happened around the program, even within it, has been kind of crazy remarkable. Yeah, yeah, it really has. It's Yeah, not one of the premier programs in Texas. They do... I mean, Texas is such a great recruiting state, though, so there's plenty of talent to go around. But, yeah, they're never going to be a higher-profile team than an A&M or a Texas, anything like that. So, yeah, kudos to him. That turned into an amazing hire. He obviously did an amazing job when he was at LSU on that championship team, and then he's been rumored to be, like, every team's, like, choice for their uh, head coach during this hiring carousel. But... By all reports, seems like the guy's pretty content in Waco and is going to stick around. I mean, why wouldn't you at this point? Already a conference championship in year two. So he's just going to get more of his guys in that system, and especially like playing defense that well in that conference is going to take you a long way. Yeah, remarkable year for him. Big 12 champs. Not many people expected that. And the run at the end of the year being Oklahoma and then beating Oklahoma State in the game. It was crazy. A nope. um, couple more things here with Matt Wittenberg on the uh, conference championship Saturday front. At night, we did see Michigan put it on Iowa. That was just a beatdown of a game. Uh, Michigan is playing well. Got to give credit to where credit's due. Though I will say this was uh, a good matchup for them, and uh, Iowa brought out all the worst in, in Iowa Hawkeyes and even Big Ten football. Don't want to say they set yeah. the conference back, but this was not a great game. <laughs> Yeah, that's sort of the Iowa recipe. If you're not playing them in a night game at Kinnick, then, I mean, their chances aren't super great, especially against a team that's going to score points. So, yeah, hats off to Michigan. They look ended the year as strong as anyone, and there was a legitimate case to be made for them being the number one team going into the playoff. But, yeah, started the game off a little, a little dicey. Iowa was able to move the ball a little bit, but could, couldn't cash in any points, as is uh, seems to be the Iowa way with, uh, Brian Farron's being OC, so we'll see if that changes anytime soon. Yeah, the but, only the yeah. only the only good thing was it got Ohio State into the Rose Bowl. I mean, that's the only thing. That's true. Yep. And yep. sort and of good, good consolation prize there. And good for college football because no one would have wanted to see Iowa Utah. I don't think, but <laughs> you know, that's yeah. <laughs> yeah. natural fans would have liked that as well. Uh, and I do before exactly. we, before we get to the end and just some thoughts on the playoff matchups. I saw some stuff here from Michigan which we'll get into in a little bit, where maybe there's a blueprint for how they're going to try to play these SEC teams, starting with Georgia. Uh, Cincinnati was the other team that got into the playoff with the win against Houston. Game was close early. They pulled away late. Uh, Didn't realize that they have such a kicking issue, but apparently that's going to be something to monitor. But Cincinnati, they run the table. Uh, We can be critical of the strength of schedule, and you know some things didn't work out their way. Indiana being terrible was just a bad break for them, but... At the mm-hmm. end of the day, Luke Fickle took Cincinnati into the playoff. He was the first guy to do it. A small school has got a seat at the table, got the breaks he needed, but a heck of a coaching performance, and the Bearcats are into the college football playoff. Yeah, and talk about another guy who was rumored for every big-time job that was opening, and including Notre Dame, which he was strongly linked to. But he's like, I guess, said, no, I'm, I'm seeing this thing through, and it obviously really paid off. And He did a hell of a job there first non-Power 5 team to make the playoff. That's always going to be there. And then moving into uh, the Big 12 in a couple of years. So it seems like Cincinnati might be, ha- be uh, have their guy for the foreseeable future, which is awesome. He's such a good coach. And, yeah, they're, they're a good team. That, that 
win against Notre Dame on the road, still one of the better wins all season long. And it ended up working out really well for them that Notre Dame was in the um, fifth position. So there's no chance that they were going to leapfrog them, even though that they, they were idle during championship weekend. So, yeah, good good uh, planning. I know that there was no way of knowing, but no, yeah. good planning on playing at Notre Dame this season for them. And yeah. they're a good team. Desmond Ritter, other than Bryce Young, is probably the best quarterback in the playoffs. And they have a pretty strong defense. But we'll see if that's going to be enough. I mean, if Bama's on, there's no mm-hmm. chance. So they need a couple of breaks to go their way. But, hey, they're they're at least in the game and have a chance. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah, it won't be enough, but good for them that they, they got here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, and I just one note on Fickle. I the more I'm thinking about this, I mean, maybe we're thinking, maybe we're all wrong. Maybe his his exit strategy is the NFL because I feel like they're going to try to interview him, and and that actually sets up well that move. You don't have to rush it with the signing day thing. Not that there's anything to report, but he's going to be in the mix for NFL jobs. We know that. Yeah, that's def- that's definitely a good point. Good defensive guy too, and obviously play really respected around the football uh, world. So I, I could definitely see him being the next college guy that's make that NFL jump. Rumored to be Lincoln Riley for a while, but obviously he's going to be at SC for the foreseeable future. So yeah, I, that's, that's a good point. I wouldn't be too surprised about Yeah. So looking at, uh, you know, the other conference game that we actually watched on Friday, Oregon, Utah, um, I think we all knew what what that meant and what was happening in that game. Oregon just with one of the worst performances right up there with Iowa in a big game. But they might have had an excuse as all signs pointed and were correctly pointing to Oregon losing yep. their coach with Chris Ball announced as the Miami coach. What a world we live in where they were trying to finalize a deal before they fired the current coach, Manny Diaz, and they don't really have an athletic director. Uh, it was crazy, and it also might be that new model wit of hey, we're just going to have the boosters go after their top target and kind of just bypass the whole AD process. Yeah, that seems to be the case. I mean, I can't remember a coaching search like that at all, with, especially with them keeping the current guy in place until they actually had a, a written agreement or whatever, or a verbal agreement that uh, Cristobal would end up taking the job. So what happens if he reneges and Diaz is just like, oh, yeah, that was fine. Yeah, I'll, I'll stick around. Just all around a bad look. with no athletic director in place so you gotta wonder who was really pulling the strings on it but hey Miami got their guy Uh, Mario Cristobal is a hell of a recruiter obviously from the region uh, went to school there so it's a a good fit but as far as the X's and O's and in-game coaching I think leaves a lot to be desired so that's going to be something to look out for with him down there and um, yeah that that I think was the main one of the main factors with such a flat performance from Oregon. Seems like he was checked out. The players were checked out. So, yeah, interesting for them. And they lose the coach to Florida again with before with uh, Taggart taking the Florida State job. Mm-hmm. That that didn't work out so well for him. So yeah, a lot of rumors out there now about who they're looking at. Maybe a potential Chip Kelly reunion, which would yeah. be interesting. So yeah, it's a that's a tough spot for right now. I saw they were looking at the BYU coach, uh, Kalani uh, Sataki. Yeah, Sataki. Yeah, he's uh, you know he's on the list. It's going to be you know, those musical chairs. We didn't even mention that you know Bronco Mendenhall just decided to step down for Virginia too. So there's still crazy amount of movement. And, and I like Chris the ball because Diaz didn't really recruit. His recruiting classes were bad. That needed mm-hmm. to get better. But I am with you that in game there's some to be desired and. Miami has hired their own quote-unquote guys before recently and has not worked out. So 
We'll yeah, see. Yeah, there, exactly. There's, there's Mark pressure. Rick was a guy. Yeah, there is pressure on this hire for sure. And the last one I wanted to talk to you about was Renables takes the Oklahoma job. There was rumors that they were going after Lanning, the young Georgia, 35-year-old D.C., but they go with mm-hmm. the veteran, 50-year-old Renables, former Oklahoma assistant coach as well. And he's their guy now, Boomer Sooner. He goes back. This is a, a big pressure job. I was, you know, he's deserving to get this opportunity to prove whether he can be a head coach or not. Whip, but yep. I just think this is a lot of pressure because he was for a while, and I think still was the highest paid coordinator in all of college football, had a lot of autonomy, didn't have the pressures of a head coach. This is a step up in money, but also pressure and expectations. Yeah, no question. Um, obviously familiar with Oklahoma. He was there under Bob Stoops for 10 years or so. So I'm sure that played a lot of them, a lot of into his decision making. But yeah, never, never been a head guy. So having this as the first step is going to be definitely more of an adjustment and he's sort of I seems like the opposite of Cristobal where he was more of like an X's and O's type guy but I think whoever he brings in for to be his OC is going to play a huge role in his success early on and yeah he was I think making two million dollars a year at uh being Clemson DC so it's not like he's not used to the pressure or anything but it's just sort of a different forward facing type of pressure now being the head guy in so yeah, definitely going to be a bit of an adjustment, but with not, I mean, the Big 12, you can win that one for the next, yeah. I, I don't know, two years or whenever they renegotiate how long it is yeah. before they go to the SEC, then, then you're really in the deep end of the pool. And hopefully by that point, he sort of has, has his system in place, has his coaches in place, and has them looking good, cause, or he might end up on the Texas path where mm-hmm. it's the way that they're looking right now. So, I do think that he'll probably be a better better coach than Sark is, but it's going to be um, a little bit of tough sledding, at least from the get-go. Going to have to monitor that situation. Uh, Matt Wittenberg, Money Mitch Effect, before I let you go, I mean, what of the bowl season stands out at you? I mean, I think the playoff games, Michigan-Georgia should be somewhat competitive at least, hopefully. I don't think a lot of people yeah. would be surprised if Bama and Cincinnati was kind of uh, one-way traffic. Yeah, and then, I mean, as tradition dictates, normally there's at least one blowout in the semifinal. So if I had to pick, I'd, I'd lean towards that Bama game. But, yeah, I'm cautiously optimistic that Georgia-Michigan's a good game. Um, I think the Rose Bowl is interesting. Uh, Utah's really good defensive line and in the trenches, and Ohio State struggled against that like the Michigan pass rush. Mm-hmm. So I, the Utah pass rush, probably not, not quite on that level, but I think that that's going to be a good sort of clash of styles. Utah's first trip to the Rose Bowl, too. So it's going to be interesting to see how Ohio State gets up. I'm sure they'll be excited to be there. And if they're even like 70 75% playing yeah. to their capability, they probably win that game. And then I like some, some of the other New York Six games. I think Old Miss Baylor's really interesting. Sort Talk of about a like clash of styles, offense, right? <laughs> exactly. You got the lane train offense against the Iran defense. So that'll be a fun one. And then you can go to the uh, the interim bowl, the uh, Oregon Oklahoma game. So, <laughs> yeah. and then selfishly, I don't think my uh, my Sun Devils are going to win, but definitely going to try and make that uh, that trip out to Vegas and see them play Wisconsin at uh, at the new Raiders Stadium. So, should be at least a fun time if nothing else. So, not necessarily very optimistic about the result. <laughs> yeah, you guys are starting to take up residency in the Vegas Bowl. I'm starting to notice. Yeah, a trend yeah. Here. Uh, no, better than the Sun Bowl. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Uh, and then you know Notre Dame, Oklahoma State. It'll be fascinating to see what Freeman's like coaching his or coaching his first game, which he'll be able to do as someone currently exactly. on the staff 
what Oklahoma State has left after that loss. Uh, no, I mean, I think there's some decent bowl matchups. I, I, I wanted to point out the one, uh, UCF and Florida playing in a bowl game in Florida. Gasparilla Bowl, Gasparilla. yeah. I mean, they said it could be close to a sellout, which is crazy, but you get two Florida teams, big brother, little brother even, that dynamic in Florida. That could be a good one yeah. for sure. Oh, yeah. You know UCF's going to be up for it. So, And then yeah. Florida, well, they're going through the whole coaching change too, so who knows what to expect out of them. I do think that they'll be end up being okay next year with uh, Napier. Billy Napier seems like he'll he's going to be a solid hire, but I'm not sure that's going to rub off <laughs> this game. We've got three bowl games in uh, in baseball stadiums. Pinstripe with uh, in New York, Virginia Tech, Maryland. You've got the Fenway Bowl, I guess it's just called that, with Virginia mm-hmm. and SMU. And then Holiday is going to be in Petco this year with uh, NC State, UCLA. So going to have to see got what another happens one, there. The, uh, the guaranteed rate oh, bowl right, in, uh, <laughs> in Chase Field. Yeah, we, that's uh, West Virginia and Minnesota. So, yeah, who knew? Yeah, yeah. The, the couple matchup, the one matchup that I think stood out just because it was funny, you have North Carolina, South Carolina playing in a bowl game this year, which uh, is kind of good for, you know, some Southern bragging rights there in the Mayo, in Duke's Mayo Bowl. Uh, and then, of course, yep. I just hope, you know, I'm glad Dabo made it to the Cheez-It Bowl. I hope if he wins against Iowa State, they just drowned him in, Cheez- in Cheez-Its and, you know, <laughs> just having fun there. But, uh, no, of course, oh, that'd be a good scene. Alamo Bowl, Oklahoma, Oregon should be good. Uh, underachieving seasons for them, but still a lot of talent there. So, exciting stuff, man. Bowl season's always fun. And, you know, there's there's a lot of games on. Just throw it on, you know, see, yep. see what Best we can do. Best time of the year. Yeah. Absolutely. Matt Wittenberg, appreciate you coming on. Always a blast talking college football. Uh, uh, of course. You know, obviously good luck in the uh, Las Vegas Bowl to your Sun Devils. <laughs> but uh, appreciate Much appreciated. You. Yeah, thanks again for coming on. Yeah, absolutely. Once again, thanks to Matt Wittenberg for coming on the show and chopping it up for college football. We'll have a full bowl preview show in the next couple of weeks, as well as college football playoffs talk, more reaction to the coaching moves as it continues on. The carousel still going. But thanks again to Witt for coming on the Money Mitch Effect. Now it's time to chop it up with Josh Witten. We're going to talk some NFL football, a lot of games, a lot of reactions, subplots. We're one more week into the season, into December now. Pats over the Bills in a game where they threw three passes. We talk about Tiger Woods' return to the golf course, which is great to see and the UFC card coming up this week with Amanda Nunez defending her belt as well as the lightweight title fight between Oliveira and Poirier. Here's Josh Wynn now on the Money Mitch Effect. All right, now we're joined to talk a variety of sports topics by a reoccurring guest on the show. Joining remotely, unfortunately, but calling in from Texas, Josh Wynn on the podcast. Josh, thanks for joining the Money Mitch Effect. And I assume you're you're just draped head to toe in uh, USC colors for the past week or so. It's been a good couple of weeks. Finally, back to some national prominence, and uh, wear that proudly in Dallas. Here, certainly not wearing the the star. No, no, I mean, definitely <laughs> not. At least somebody's having some some success with their sports teams. Um, yeah, but. But no, it's uh, it's good to see, and I think you know the Lincoln Riley hiring obviously has been met with rave reviews out here in USC. You know, doling out the money, um, just going for it, which is good, uh, definitely good, and it uh, proves that you know you don't have to have the the process can be messy, but if you get the right guy, no one will care in five years. 
Exactly. And, and you know, the, the kid's 38 years old. He is a recruiter extraordinaire. He's going to hopefully be able to keep local talent by, and as we've seen so far with the local commits already from Modern Day and Los Alamitos, you know, th- these are schools that used to be a pipeline and Pete Carroll made it so in the early 2000s. And um, <clears throat> it's going to be fun to see how they compete and how they return to national prominence because it's been an awfully tough last decade. <laughs> and, uh, for sure. Yeah. It's been, it's been rough, but uh, you know, this is the first big time hiring that we've seen from them in, in, you know, in a while. And I think he can recruit. He's already proven it with the USC area with the California area. So he's just going to flip a lot of those recruits from the get go. Um, still work to be yeah, done, definitely. but the conference is obviously winnable, especially with Cristobal leaving Oregon now. I know. Who would have thought that 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 would have happened with all the Nike money up in Oregon for him to just leave and go back to Miami is strange. And the way it happened um, is unfortunate. But uh, now back to USC, they have an opportunity to really plant their flag in the uh, in the conference, and hopefully that parlays itself into some playoff trips down the line in the very near future, the next couple years at least. I know they always talk about Rose Bowl, Rose Bowl, Rose Bowl, but mm-hmm. I don't think Ohio State's too excited this year to go to the Rose Bowl. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's weird how it became a consolation prize. Uh, I, I do want to talk when we chat here about the NFL, uh, but first and foremost, um, I know you were also feeling you know, uplifted because uh, your favorite athlete ever is back on the golf course. Uh, it's a long road to recovery, but just seeing Tiger Woods hitting some golf balls is pretty good for all of us. It really is, and you know, I, I, I'm one of the few, and I can say I really never doubted it. I mean, he's just got too much fire. Um, he's going to make a comeback. We'll see when it is. I mean, there's so many people pontificating on when it's going to happen. Is he going to go play at Torrey Pines? There's no chance. I doubt he'll even play, and I know he'll be there at Riviera in February for his own event, which um, benefits the Tiger Woods Foundation at, at the, Genesis Invitation, the Genesis Invitational. But he's never performed well there. He hasn't made the cut the last couple of years, so he'll probably skip that one. And then everyone's going to lead towards, I mean, between that and the Masters is the Arnold Palmer Invitational and then the players. But, you know, his, to get come back in, uh, in early April at the Masters is a possibility. Mm-hmm. But I would, you know, skip past that towards the summer or to the summer. And the 150th Open Championship at St. Andrews, you know, it's an easier walk, uh, you know, and I already skipped over two that he loves already, the Memorial, including the PGA Championship, which is yeah. um, in May this year. But, uh, and then the U.S. Open in Massachusetts up at Brookline, um, where Justin Limmer made the famous putt in the Ryder Cup. But, yeah, yeah. you know, he, he's coming back. And, you know, we might be lucky enough to see him in the father-son um, in early December, which would be awesome, playing with his son. Uh, and the good thing and I heard him say last week, but he's like, I heard actually Nota Begay say it, but he's like, there he can ride in the golf cart and Charlie hits all the drives. So he really doesn't have to do too much. He can just be there, hit a few iron shots and just be there with his son and, and have a good good time. I mean, it's not pressure packed, those kind of things. So people need to temper their expectations. He's not coming back anytime soon, but like in the next month or two. But uh He's going to get back, get back out there. And like he said in his press conference, he still has to deal with his back. He's yeah. not sure he's still strengthening the leg, but I don't know. His upper body looks 
incredible last week. His pipes were huge. I mean, he looked like he was doing a lot of lifting. And he said his triceps got a lot of work with the crutches he was on for a few months. But uh, but no, very exciting for, the, for all of golf. And even to see these kids last week at his tournament down in the Bahamas, they're all excited, whether it's Justin Thomas or Colin Morikawa or, you know, Victor Hovland who won the tournament. These guys looked up to him and they were his hero. And for him to even be hitting balls at the back of the range was just, just a sight to see. It was really, really cool. I love that he, you know, was at, he admitted he was at peace with his career if he never, you know, wins again or never even plays again. He wants to get back out there, but uh, you're starting to see him, you know, he's more vulnerable and more open about things, which is great. And, you know, he's got the right right approach to this, and it was a gruesome thing. I mean, he said it was, he almost lost his leg. I mean, it was, you know, crazy, but good to see he's on the up and up. And uh, I agree with your uh, approach of a slow play to come back and make sure everything's right. Because we saw years ago, when he tried to play too much too soon and it just went badly for his back. Yeah. And he's not going to put himself in that situation again. He's not going to go out there until he's absolutely ready. And, you know, I, I did, I, I heard every comment he said last week, but he's also setting the bar low because when he, when, and if he does win again, it's going to be like, Oh my gosh, he did it. But he, yeah. I mean, he's not going to compete. He's always said from when he was an amateur till now that he's not going to tee it up unless he believes he can win. Yeah. So he's not going to go out there as some ceremonial golfer. We certainly know that. So yeah. great things and great times ahead for the PGA tour. And, uh, and I guess the season's already started, but, uh, it's going to be a fun 2022 uh, campaign. So be great. Um, let's, let's turn our attention, Josh, to the NFL. Um, great week for me because the Browns didn't play, so that was good. Yeah. <laughs> and they have a huge one this week, so one of the best games of the weekend, actually. We'll see. I mean, that yeah, Browns-Ravens the second time in three weeks um, with the Ravens lost last week to the Steelers, um, which was kind of insane, kind of crazy. Uh, it keeps me, gives me one more week until I just rip up my bet ticket for the Browns to win the division, <laughs> so that'll be this Sunday if they lose for sure. Um, I actually, you know, that's like the topic of teams that are going for two now and the win and whatnot. I actually think, I mean, the play was right there. It's all hindsight, right? If he completes that pass, it's a genius play. Um, it made yeah. a lot of sense what Harbaugh said that also their corners, like Humphrey's now off for the year. Like they had guys breaking down at the end of that game. So just go on the road, Definitely. especially, and go for the win. And who, I mean, it was leaked last week. We all heard that it ends more than likely going to retire. So was the team pumped up for that? Mm-hmm. Um, bad, bad win for the, I mean, the Steelers yeah. winning was really bad for the Browns because yeah. they're just above them. And with that one tie, that is, bodes well for them. So, yeah, huge week for the Browns, huge week for the Rams. Chiefs Raiders is actually a pretty decent game as is thought, Cowboys yeah. uh, Redskins. Yeah. Or, sorry, the know, Washington football team. I thought that uh, you know TJ Watt's comeback was the other thing. People didn't really <laughs> realize that how much he meant. I mean, he's still leading the league in sacks. He's missed two and a half games. Uh, so, <laughs> I know, yeah, there's just a log jam in both conferences uh, for the seven now playoff teams. Number one seed in the AFC is now the New England Patriots. They've won seven straight games. And they did it against the Bills in Buffalo. Weather conditions were rough at kickoff. They got a little better throughout the game. But they did it basically running the Navy midshipman offense. Three passes for Mac Jones. Uh, Just an insane. I never thought. I mean, Belichick, obviously, greatest NFL coach ever. uh, But to win the game the way he did, just running the ball and relying on his defense and not passing it at all. Remarkable. I never thought I'd see an NFL team win passing so few. 
No, and I, I saw the pregame kickers just with the wind there. It was nasty. But first game last night, uh, Monday night game, where I tuned into the entire Peyton Eli broadcast, um, I'd always each week I always catch a bit of it. But just great to hear them bantering back and forth about uh, what <laughs> I kept asking Peyton. I don't know if he's done that, but like they're yeah. going to pass here, and it was great. But um, but no, once again, you talked about two point conversions in that Steelers. Ravens game, but Josh going for it for two, knowing that they couldn't throw the ball into the wind um, or kick the ball into the wind yeah. for that first PAT was huge. And it was just shocking, not shocking to see, but Mac has, has really done a good job. The defense played great. And, uh, and we'll see. I mean, I, I, I'd love for that baton to be passed in that division, but, it, you know, after the Bills winning the division last year, it doesn't seem like they're going to repeat unless. <sighs> They go on a tear yeah. here towards the end. They got they get they have to win that game in Foxborough now. Um and, and I do yeah. think that the Patriots are vulnerable. You're gonna eventually have to throw. Mac Jones has looked great, but this is his rookie year. It's the first time he's played meaningful games with expectations. But it is mm-hmm. shaping up. There are no really real dominant teams in the AFC like we normally have. So why can't Belichick just win? I mean, that's that's what you're betting on at that point, is that if it's if it's a dog fight and teams are considerably equal, you'd go with the best coach. But I think the the clear team on the rise, other than the Patriots, is the Chiefs because they were left for dead, and now suddenly they're yep. getting some stuff from their defense. Offense still has layers levels to hit, but if they get if they get the pass rush from Chris Jones, they get better play from their secondary. I mean, it was very night and day. We were writing them off like, oh, they, they just don't have it this year. They cut out the turnovers. They play better defense, and now they're right back in the driver's seat. Yeah, and the Chargers, you know, they have beaten them, but uh, it's. It's so up and down with them. And they played great last week against Cincinnati, but um, the Chiefs are more than likely in the driver's seat there. And going back to defense, like in your Browns, for instance, they need to get to Lamar this weekend. And Jadavion needs to... I know, but it's so frustrating because they, so cool. I mean, they, they defended him as well as they've ever defended him by far, and they still lost that game. So that's where you're like, I mean, how does it... You know, it's it's the other side of the ball, which we know. Uh, and I just, I, I get what you're saying. Picks, yeah. yeah, with the Chargers, I just don't think I. Tr- I mean, I don't think how anyone can trust them to run the gauntlet. You know, like they're a tough team to play, but do you really trust that team to win three playoff games? <laughs> you know, to get no. to, that. That's where they're showing flashes. Uh, they got the the COVID scare this week with some players, but Herbert's you know getting back to it. The offense has looked better, but. Yeah, that's, that's the thing. That's why that Bengals game, it was two teams that have talent and are on the up and up but can still throw some clunkers in. Uh, so it'll be it'll be fun to see. I mean, the AFC playoff picture has a lot of teams. I mean, look at the Dolphins. They were 1-7. and seven. I think they've won five straight to get back to 6-7. Yep. and seven. So That's, that's good. And yeah. the AFC South, South, you know, it's kind of a coin flip between the Titans and the Colts. And with Derrick Henry out, mm. you know, even yeah. convince yourself that Indianapolis has a better shot. And incredibly... Their quarterback has stayed healthy this year, which I don't think anybody in the world predicted that one. Yeah. So, no, fun stuff. It's always great when you get into week, in these last week, 14, 15, 16, and see how everything plays out. Um, I know there's fantasy implications throughout, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, but no, yeah. it's going to be fun. Definitely fun. Josh Wynn here on the Money Mitch Effect. Yeah, we go to 18 this week, so this year, so it's going to be uh, an extra NFL week to get that extra playoff team, especially in the NFC. I do think that we've reached the point now with Kyler Murray back that we've got to just start, like, you can't let the Cardinals go completely under the radar. I know everyone's talking about the Packers and Tom's done it, but the Cardinals are what, you know, 10 and two at this point in the season. Like they're still, (laughs) they're the top seed and, and, you know, it's almost like they're an afterthought. 
completely. And I don't know who released it a couple of weeks ago that Cliff, Cliff's going to go to Oklahoma. Why would you leave his agent, Arizona? His agent leaked that for more money. I okay. Think. <laughs> for more money. Okay. Yeah. That, that makes a little sense. Yeah. But, uh, but no, they, they have, even though JJ went down a few weeks or a month or so ago, but their defense playing well and they just need to get through the, the Rams. Um, I know they beat them early in the season, but it's always been a, that, that's been the big hurdle. Like the Rams and turtles, always the 49ers. So mm-hmm. I, I think, uh, I think that's going to be a fun game to watch, definitely, on on Sunday. Yeah, the stat that blew my mind. Oh, sorry, that's Monday night. My yeah, bad. The, my big bad. Monday night Monday night. the the stat that blew my mind and is that the Cardinals are seven and zero on the road this year, and they've won every game by double digits. It's like wow. I did that not realize like, that. And, that is, you know, Colt that McCoy is, wow. started at least one or two of them. You know, <laughs> like it wasn't yeah. just all <laughs> Kyler. So that's the thing. I mean, yeah, it's it's a thing with we got to see that Cowher can get through the playoffs healthy. He's missed time. Hopefully, it doesn't happen again for them. And can Kingsbury make you know X's and O's big game coaching moments? That's why yeah. it's you know, and you're going up against the legend of Tom Brady, who's won all those Super Bowls. Rogers, who's looked great as well, and uh, even the Cowboys, who have their issues on offense, but their defense is. I mean, I haven't. It's been a while, uh, Josh, since I've seen a rookie like Micah Parsons, just an impact player. Wow. He's he is he is as good. He should be a candidate for defensive player of the year, let alone defensive rookie of the year. Absolutely, he's fun to watch. Just what a motor on him, never stops. And you know, now I'm a <laughs> Dallas resident. I'm inundated with news about them constantly, but. Uh, but no, that's going to be a big game. Washington played really well the last month. Well, that's and- yeah. I mean, that's the thing. Like, remember, we have to get seven playoff teams, and the AFC they seem like they're a little better in the middle of the pack. In the NFC, I mean, I think the Washington football team is a sixth seed at six and six. So yeah. right now, you have Niners who have that second spot, and they just lost a tough one. You have all these five yeah. and seven teams. The Vikings lost to the Lions last week in one of the worst yeah. defensive efforts on a final play. <laughs> They're playing prevent defense five yards into the end zone. Uh, you know, the Panthers, who've been on a losing streak, the Saints have lost five in a row. They're still in it. Uh, you know, the Seahawks even at four and eight uh, are, are still alive. And, of course, the Eagles got the Minshew game, but, you know, they've got some some fun things they can do on offense. We point is we have to get seven playoff teams somehow in this conference yeah and it'll work itself out but uh, there's more than likely going to be a eight and eight team or a you know a, a team that people are going to say doesn't deserve to be there but who knows if, if they're on a roll that anything can happen yeah. i mean last year nobody well very few people picked tom brady to go up to lambo and win and he did and you won three away games and to go to the super bowl um but yeah. it was uh that's why they play the game. That's what they say, right? So it's going to be fun to certainly watch, sit back and kick up the feet and watch. The Rams game against the Cardinals is huge. It's their last dash at the division, um, a loss, and they might just be locked into that five seed where they could end up either way. Um, you know, and, and I think, look, you, you see this as a fan of the team yourself. They're very talented, very quick, but they have looked soft at soft at times this year. And they're going to have to get tougher. They're going to have to not just try to out-finesse teams every week. And it is the case of, okay, we know what they can do against bad teams. We've seen it against the Giants, the Texans, the Jaguars. All right, now prove it against the Cardinals. Definitely. And, you know, everyone talks up their Hall of Fame, their three Hall of Fame defensive players, but it all goes back to that loss of Robert Woods. He was such an instrumental part of that offense and great possession receiver. And to put on the other side of Cup, it was perfect. And is OBJ that guy? We nobody knows that, and 
He's always dinged up, and he's dinged up now. So what can he provide for that team in this last month Last month down the stretch to propel them forward, to get them to the place they want to be? I mean, Stan Kroenke financially committed to this season. They want to play that Super Bowl in their home stadium at SoFi, which we were at a few months ago, and it's a, it's a pretty spectacular place. And it would be clearly like the – even with the limited capacity for because of COVID last season for the Buccaneers at home in the Super Bowl, it would be, I mean, to have 50 plus thousand uh, Rams fans there, mm. you know, that's what they're looking out for. That, that's what they built this season towards. So um, injuries happen to every team. So you can't make that an excuse. And I don't think McVay does, but it's going to be, uh, they need people to step up and play and play hard and, and, you know, realize yeah. what this season's all about. That that loss of Cam Akers preseason was huge too. Mm. You know, that was yeah. another one that they that they felt. But still, time. I, McVeigh said it. We still have the pen to write this season out. So they have a tough schedule. Definitely. We'll see what happens. Um, Josh, when this has been fun. Uh, last thing, we got a big uh, fight card. I'm upset I don't get to watch this one with you. But you know, the final the final pay per view, big pay per view of the year, two sixty nine. We got a couple title fights: Oliveira and Dustin Poirier. Amanda oh. Nunez is defending her title on there. You know, we got Sugar Sean O'Malley's fighting. Dominic Cruz is on the pre-fight. This is this is a good one. This is this is it a is good a, card. It really is. And Lindsay and I have found a couple of local uh, UFC pubs around here that we're going to go out and watch that. We know we were texting last week, and which turned out to be a pretty pretty oh, fun Aldo card. Font with a was a war. <laughs> that was really great. And that kid. Uh, Jumaya Hill was fun. That was a good fight. And seeing the old guy Guido win, that was fun. Um, but no, this week with Dustin and Amanda, two title fights right at the, at the top of the card is going to be great. And uh, kind of tough seeing either of them lose, but uh, you never know. And um, I think well, it, that's it, the thing is Dustin comes in as the challenger, but he's a pretty solid favorite for obvious reasons. I mean, Oliveira yeah. winning the belt from from Chandler, that was a surprise fight that they made, and, and all props to him for getting to the top of the mountain. But he's fighting the guy that's <laughs> been around the block the most at that division. 100%. And uh, it'll be fun. And I, I'm sure Joe will be back on the broadcast, and it's going to be, like you said, it's the last big, big card of the year. So um, hopefully we see some fireworks. Yeah, Kai Kara France versus Cody Garbrandt in a flyweight fight. Garbrandt fighting at flyweight is interesting too. And then, of course, the, the Sugar Sean show. Uh, Sean O'Malley <laughs> fighting, so it's good. I mean, I think Poirier gets the belt. He gets the belt, the uh, the non interim one for the first time. Uh, that division is so exciting. You know, you take McGregor out of it with the injury. You've got Gaethje, yeah. who's who's deserving of a title shot as anyone in the UFC. Uh, it, it's going to be good. But uh, yeah, I think this is going to be a good fight card. And, and Amanda Nunez, I mean, this is who else can she really fight? Uh, I don't know how much longer she's going to fight. And uh, you know. What the sad thing is, Josh. One of the you know they might start shrinking belts in the company because she has no one else to fight. Yeah, you you don't want to see that uh, at all. But like you said, who, who else can she fight, and what's next? And that's sad because she seems like she's too young to to hang it up. Well, good. But fight you never card. know. You yeah. hang it up and you go up and you're on top. So it's <laughs> always a good thing to do. Good. Fight uh, but card. she is. I guess she's getting up there. She's 33. Mm-hmm. So. But yes, great fight card and, and exciting weekend of sports. And you know, heading into the Christmas holiday, it's going to be week after week of uh, of you know. Then the bowl games are going to start. It's a great time of year. Certainly is a great time of year. Uh, Josh Wooden, thanks for coming on the Money Mitch Effect. Appreciate you taking the time. 
from uh, you know following sports and uh, making sure that your angels are on top of the free agency signing too. Yeah, we'll see what happens after the lockout. But they they made some decent moves uh, prior to it, and we'll see if Thor can come back strong. But they re-signed Iglesias, their their closer, which yeah. is huge. But if Show can have another good year and Mike comes back healthy and Rendon's playing well again, then yeah, yeah. we'll see. But definitely need a couple more pieces uh, once the owners and the um, <laughs> the players figure out all this madness, but that's probably going to go into spring training. So yeah, it's not going to hold my breath. It's been a few, you know, a few years since we've had a lockout and it's been professional sports. So we were unfortunately due for one. Like you have to have one every few years. It's madness. <laughs> Definitely. Uh, Josh it is Wayne, madness. Thanks again for coming on the money Mitch effect. Always a pleasure, Mitch. Cheers. And that's it for this week's show. Big thanks again to both guests, Matt Wittenberg and Josh Wynn. Thanks to everybody out there for listening to this and every episode of The Money Mitch Effect, which can be found on SoundCloud, iTunes, and Google Play. All the episodes are in the entire catalog. Are there. We're approaching 300 now, which is very hard to believe. Leave a rating, review, subscribe. Appreciate any and all support. Follow me on Twitter at MoneyMitchM21 and check out the Money Mitch Effect Facebook page. We'll be back next week for more football talk, some hockey, some basketball, college games going strong as well. Uh, just a lot of sports still going in the calendar. Uh, love to see it. Love to keep it going. Hope everybody out there is doing well. My name is Mitch Michaels. This was the Money Mitch Effect. Until next time, keep enjoying sports.